You're listening to the Teak Nation Podcast, where we strive to educate, inspire, and entertain you with tips and lessons from frauders and friends of TKE. Hello, and welcome to this bonus episode of the Teak Nation podcast. Cook something up special for you here on Thanksgiving week. Very excited to be able to bring you some audio of a recent webinar that took place with my good friends, Nick Kimball and Zachary Scott. You might remember Zach from the Teak Nation podcast. Had an opportunity to talk to those two guys last week about recruitment, prepping for spring rush, things to do for deferred campuses specifically, but got done with the webinar and thought, wow, that would make a really great podcast. And so hopefully you can take some time to pop your uh, your earphones in, listen while you're driving to or from family Thanksgiving gathering, maybe you're flying somewhere, uh, maybe you just want to ignore your family all weekend. Perfect opportunity to do that. So uh, we hope you enjoy this. Hopefully you take notes. Hopefully you're excited to learn. And uh, we appreciate you listening. Here are Nick and Zach. All right, we'll get going here. Looks like the waiting room has died down. So again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here. Cannot, uh, cannot express that enough. My name is Alex Swinson. I'm the Director of Fraternal Services at TEAK headquarters. My main role is really to make sure that you all are getting what you need out of our staff members, whether it's the regional directors, the expansion coordinators, the ARDs, making sure that you all in your positions with your chapters or colonies, your needs are being met and we are helping you in whatever way we can. Tonight, that is obviously based around recruitment. And I know that many of you are on campuses that practice deferred recruitment. That's why you are here tonight. Some of you are not, and that is perfectly fine. The principles and lessons that we get into here in a few minutes are more than applicable across the board, whether you're a deferred campus that recruited zero men so far this fall, or whether you're on a more traditional campus and you have 35 new members already and you're just trying to get five more in the spring. The knowledge that Nick and Zach are going to bring to this conversation can be applied across the board. Gosh, people are still rolling in here. Um, and so don't think, right, just obviously you're here, which means you cared enough to invest your time, but don't think just because you're not on a deferred campus that what we talk about here cannot be applied directly to you and your situation. With that, I want to give Nick and Zach a quick chance to introduce themselves. I'll do a couple other little housekeeping items there and we will be off and running. Uh, last time I started with Nick and I think it hurt Zach's feelings. So Zach, would you mind uh, getting us kicked off here? Yeah, sounds good. Thanks, Al. Uh, my name is Zachary Scott. I uh, worked uh, on Teak staff for five years, most recently as director of fraternal growth, um, and currently now work in uh, recruiting as a profession. So um, glad to be here. Glad to be back with Nick and Al um, and a lot of familiar faces from our previous webinar and just really excited to be working with you guys. Thanks, Zach. Nick? Uh, cool. Yeah, good to see everyone. Love it. 85 people rolling in. That's amazing. Um, yeah, Nick Kimball. I was on Teak staff for three and a half years, uh, four years maybe. I uh, didn't do the, did the count there. I guess I should go check the uh, myteak.org. But um, I was the director of expansion recently. Um, growth is really growth recruitment. What I love, what Zach and I both care about. It is the one thing and the only thing that matters in the entire fraternal experience. It relates back to everything, brotherhood, philanthropy, social um it is the peak of of the fraternity and what matters um so that's why we're zach and i are still involved still love um helping helping growth and move growth forward working with groups to have their best fraternal experience possible um currently i'm in uh, healthcare consulting and sales um so recruitment's both still part of zach and i's lives uh quite a bit and just to add some color to the conversation uh I joined as a freshman in the fall at Loyola Chicago, uh, but I was the last class, freshman class, that was allowed to come in in the spring. So we switched to deferred recruitment um, during after my freshman year. So for three years in college, um, we were a deferred campus and, and recruited that way, and it really helped our chapter. So um, I do have that 
personal experience with deferred recruitment. So excited to talk to you all tonight, get to know everyone, answer some questions, and and hopefully get you all recruiting in a, at a higher level um, when you come back to campus and starting tomorrow. So thanks, Al. Thank you, Nick. And then the last thing I have before I turn it over to Nick and Zach for the uh, the bulk of the conversation, as Zach mentioned, we will have plenty of time for Q&A at the end. Uh, we do want to hear from you and answer your questions. I know, especially for those groups who haven't had their formal rush period yet, there are probably a lot of questions. You've probably seen some things on campus so far that have you scratching your head or making you wonder how are things going to work when we come back in the spring and we open rush up. We want to get to all of those. If you have a question throughout the course of the presentation, just drop it in the chat. Uh, Zach said, don't just randomly unmute yourself and start talking. That, that'll get a little distracting, but feel free to drop questions in the chat now. We will have some time at the end as well for you to drop questions. Uh, I will do my best to monitor the chat and get to all of them, but a huge portion of this is going to be Q&A. So hopefully you brought some questions, brought some things that you're looking to get a little more knowledge on that we can help you with as we uh, as we get toward the end. But with that, thank you all once again. Uh, if you have not yet, please change your display name to your name and your university, just like most of the rest of the individuals here have. And I will turn it over to Nick and Zach, and I will shut up, and I will jump back in at the end for Q&A. Awesome. Thanks, Al, and uh, love it, 99. Someone call a friend and get us to 100. Um, but to start off, um, like like Al said, we want to have at least half of this be Q and A. Um, but for the the first portion, um, Zach and I want to touch on four things that are we view as essential for for steps in the road to a successful deferred recruitment. Now, ideally, you've been doing some of these things already, um, but if not, literally start tonight after you get off this and start tomorrow. And Zach and I will put our contact information and are happy to get on the horn with you, get on a call, email chain, Zoom call, whatever, um, to make ourselves available to help you, your recruitment chair, um, if you have elections coming up, your future recruitment chair to get on the horn with you and talk and develop a, a personalized recruitment plan for your colony or chapter. Um, but the fourth four items we wanna to touch on are building a names list, obviously essential to all recruitment, but especially important for deferred campuses. Um, utilizing winter break properly. Um, Y'all have a lot of time off. Um, yeah, I'm sure you guys are working and grinding, but no classes. Um, those students, predominantly freshmen probably, uh, don't have classes either. Great opportunity. The art of giving a soft bid. Um, so maybe you can't give a bid prior to a certain time in January or February, but um, you really need to focus um, on those guys, get them on your team, get them thinking, hey, I'm going to be number <laughs> team. Um, awesome. Appreciate meeting yourself, Grant. Uh, member of Teak. And then four, how do you help build those names list and helping infiltrate freshman groups? Uh, deferred, in my opinion, deferred uh, recruitment is a great thing for any chapter who wants to get better. Um, like I said, it really helped our group at Loyola. We were really bad at faking, uh, you know, what we were, who we were for three or four weeks when you come onto campus in the fall, but you have a semester to build up, to build relationships, to build a brand on campus. Um, and that really helped us, um, allowed us to go from a 30-man group to a 100-man group in four years. So deferred uh, recruitment is a beautiful thing, but how do you infiltrate groups that say, eh, I thought I wanted to go Greek, or maybe I wanted to go Greek, but um, I found my group of friends. I'm not sure if we need it anymore. Um, so those are the four things we're going to touch on, uh, but real quickly, the most important thing to any recruitment is getting chapter buy-in. Um, that's probably the most common thing that Zach, Al, and, and the staff hears. I'm sure some of the volunteers can relate is we have two or three dedicated guys, maybe the Preetness, maybe the Rush Chair, whatever, who really want to get things moving in the right direction or amped about recruitment. Y'all are on this call, uh, but the rest of the chapter isn't. The rest of the chapter doesn't want to help recruit. They don't want to help do events. They're kind of, you need their buy-in. Um, there's some roadblock, and we can dive into that in a little bit, and Zach will jump in with some whatever I missed, but um, Getting chapter buy-in is essential. You're not gonna have successful recruitment with one or two guys. 
If your chapter is one or two guys, that's great. You can double and triple and move from there. Um, but you're not going to have a successful recruitment. You need the group's buy-in. You need more than just a recruitment chair to make it happen because this is about building relationships. You could be the most well-organized, more successful rush chairman or preteness in the world. Um, but if you're having events or you're trying to talk to 100 or 50, 250, however many guys by yourself, you can't possibly build relationships and form bonds with those people and convince them that this is the best thing to do when you can't even convince your brothers to help you out and help move that, that uh, chain forward. So that is the first step you have to do. Um, we can talk about, if you have questions about how we do that, we don't wanna focus all our time on that, but we can certainly address that later on. Um, Zach, anything to add before we get into building a names list? Um, no, I think getting that chapter buy-in, right? And I'm, sh I'm sure we're going to get most of our questions around that because it's such a hot topic of how do I get guys off their ass and get them contributing when they're maybe a fifth year or a fourth year senior, right? Um, a big piece is meeting people where they're at to kind of get ahead of that. And we can explain that a little bit more later on, but finding ways to have real brotherly conversations and sit down with guys to show them how you need them to contribute, how you can make that process as painless and as easy for them as possible. And dragging guys out to things, right? Making things easy, meeting people for lunch um, intentionally and bringing new members with you. Um, there are a lot of little tips and tricks like that where you can start to build in buy-in. The expectation shouldn't be for 100% of guys to be at 100% of events. It should be getting 100% of the guys to meet as many of these new members as possible, make it as simple and as easy as possible. Um, but again, we'll, uh, we'll dive into that certainly later on. And I'm sure that guys are gonna have a lot of questions about that piece. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, so, so piece number one, right, building a names list. Um, deferred recruitment, ideally you have been building a names list all semester. Um, while you're recruiting the upperclassmen in the fall, you have a separate recruitment committee or separate group or a second rush chair or whoever who is talking to freshmen and building up that names list, that contact list, relationship list for the spring. You have all spring to create a brand um, any event you do is a recruitment event. That's the cool thing about deferred recruitment. And you're not dirty rushing a guy by having them come out to your philanthropy or your St. Jude event or your can, you know, Thanksgiving coming up, canned food drive, whatever you have, you're building that names list. Um, every, every guy in the group should strategize. And tomorrow, you know, you should write down as a chapter, as a recruitment committee, these are the freshmen we know. But you don't have to think they're going to be a teak. You don't have to think that they're interested in Greek life. As long as they are a freshman who's eligible to join, um, that's that's the key to building that names list. Absolutely crucial. Um, I, we know there's not a lot of time left in the semester. Thanksgiving breaks next week, come back, elections, final chapter of the semester, exams, right? People have other things going on. You're not going to recruit a lot of guys, but you can build a names list. There's people in the library. There's, you know, everyone's on campus. No one really wants to study. Everyone's walking around. Like it's a great place for conversations to happen generically. How was your break? What do you plan to do over winter break? Um, where are you going home to? Like there's all kinds of conversations that can happen. And again, we can get into what those conversations might look like later on if we want to dive into that piece. But building a names list is crucial. Find the freshman groups. At this point, unless you're on a 40, 50,000 person campus, um, for any of our smaller or medium-sized campuses, you kind of see, hey, I see those freshman guys walking around together all the time. They have a little, have a little group, have a little posse. Find, you know, contact them. Oh, those guys are always in the gym when I'm in the gym. Awesome. Those guys are always playing intramural basketball. Like those are the people and places you want to connect because it's not, you see a five-man group that yeah you're not you're talking to one guy and you're getting five people who's the ringleader of that group who can bring all those five five guys on board that's bulking that's you know working smarter not harder that's crucial to building a names list you're going to get about 10 percent of your names list of guys who join so if you want to 20 guys to join in the spring for deferred you need to be talking to at least 200 people they need to hear teak story you need to have that relationship built you need to have that relationship. People join from relationships. No one cares about your recruitment event, t-shirt, whatever, whatever thing you think they care about, they don't. It's strictly on, is this worth my time? What is the value prop 
how can I join? Why would I join Teak when I've not been in a fraternity all semester? And what can I get out of it? What, like, what am I gonna, how is this gonna enhance my college experience? So those are the people you wanna be talking to. Those are the type of conversations you wanna be having. But freshman friend groups, we'll talk about that more later on. But what clubs? Uh, if you guys have joined clubs or thinking about joining other clubs, there's Facebook pages, Instagram groups, whatever on campus groups are having their end of the semester meeting, go talk to those people. Start sliding into DMs. You really need to talk to guys, find people where they're at, uh, video games, Snapchat, whatever. Just getting as many guys on that names list as possible to hear the story. Um, if you have 10 guys on your name list and five of them join, that's great. Imagine what that percentage would be if you told 50 guys and talked to 50 guys and had that conversation and people heard that Teak experience with 50 guys. Um, so that's, that's crucial. Who are the people from your high school that went to college, your hometown? Most high schools or at some place you can find, hey, these people are going to this college. You probably know what guys came from your high school, your hometown. Guess what? You're going home for winter break. Uh, what friends do they know? What friend groups they can have? Deferred recruitment, ever, most of these people who are joining have some sort of built-in group they have, whether it be classmates, uh, people they do a lot of projects with, same majors. How can you attack those, get those guys in bulk, and really start having conversations with them? So building the names list is key. Again, you're not going to get guys to necessarily you know, join right now, but how can you build up that names list to best position yourself for the winter, for some soft bids, for the spring, so you're not showing up to campus the third week of January and saying, cool, time to start recruitment. Because guess what? The other fraternities, the successful fraternities, the successful teak chapters started months ago. Absolutely behind the ball, eight ball, really need to get going on that. Um, it's about getting as many people who you who are eligible to on that names list. That's crucial. Um, Zach, anything to add or want to talk about utilizing winter break? No, I think that's a really good segue into properly preparing for winter break, right? Um, in a perfect world, we would be having this conversation probably two months ago on how to properly hold uh, or how to properly execute your fall semester, right? How do you get integrated into these friend groups? We'll mention earlier, how are you taking advantage of other student organizations on your campus? But there is still plenty of time for you guys to get, your up, get up off your ass and get after things, um, especially for anybody who had a lackluster recruitment this past uh, fall, right? Your big one may be in the springtime, but you should always be looking for ways to close some deals and get guys into the pipeline now, right? Get the guys that you can who are sophomores, transfer students, any of those pieces into the group, but finding ways to set yourself up for success, utilizing the time period from post Thanksgiving to mid January, February, depending on when you go back to school. Um, that's the critical piece, right? We always talk about, uh, the idea that the more prepared you are for things, the better you'll be able to execute the groups who determine their recruitment chairmans well before Thanksgiving are the ones that tend to have a lot more time and success when it comes to things, if they know how to execute. Um, a really big piece on that is the preparedness and understanding that in order to be successful, you need to be talking to as many people as possible, making sure that that names list that Nick has been talking about for the last few minutes is as lengthy as possible. You need to be talking to not 10, 20, 50, even 100 people. You need to be talking to multiple hundreds of people and depending on your campus, maybe even 1,000 people. It depends on what you have to work with, but there's no real excuse not to be talking to at least 200 students about what we have to offer on, their, on your campus, right? We should be wanting to talk to as many people as possible. And the only way to start those conversations is not right before break, it's not right when you return from break, it's kind of filling in all in each of those, those uh, categories, right? Talking to them now, talking to them over Thanksgiving, they give you uh, so many opportunities to follow up on real human things like Thanksgiving meals and family time, uh, being able to go back after spending an entire semester away, uh, being able to maybe get a break from, from your classes as you get ready for mid or uh, for final exams. Then you still get the winter break, whether it be Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or Christmas or New Year's or whatever it could possibly be, there are so many opportunities for holiday conversations and how people celebrate their time home or their time away from academia. 
what are we doing to engage on those pieces, right? Nick had mentioned this earlier, and I always talk about it of using the video games, using Snapchat, using the things that are pretty much an everyday facet for, for our lives, looping other people into that, right? Not every conversation has to be had over a DM and every conversation has to be had over a text or over a phone call. You can find ways to integrate brand new people into the things that you do all, uh, all the time with, with your brothers or with your friends from back home. Find ways to build that connection of people. You have the next three months to be building a friendship with this person rather than doing what a lot of fraternity chapters do, which is wait until I get back to school. And when recruitment period starts at the middle of January, that's when I'm going to start talking to people. That is a recipe for disaster, a recipe for failure. In order to be successful, we need to be engaging these people and getting to a level of comfortability that we share with a number of our fraternity brothers. You're presented with this amazing opportunity to uh, again, engage on how their Thanksgiving holiday went. Did they go back home? Did they stay on campus? When it comes to final exams, what did you, how did you do? What's your GPA looking like after your first semester of college, right? Especially when we're honing in on those freshman students. If we're looking at upperclassmen, those sophomores and juniors, and maybe even some seniors, how are we having those conversations with them about what class are you getting ready to take? What internships and pieces have you started to prepare for for the next summer? right? It's a whole different high-level conversation. You have so much time to work with, though. Dive in on the personal, dive in on the professional, right? If someone's planning to get a job, encourage them maybe as you, maybe you started talking to them a couple of weeks ago, and you're looking for ways to continue to elevate that conversation to talking about fraternity. We all know that one barrier to entry, right, is a financial barrier, nudging guys to get jobs, right? You don't have to necessarily have the deep conversation with them, but ask them what they're doing to, to better their resume, to better themselves, make themselves stand out more professionally. These are the types of things that we mean when we say utilizing your winter break. There are so many things that just kind of go under the radar that very high executing chapters, they just know to go with it, right? It's a part of their rhythm. It's a part of what they're, what they're doing in their DNA because they've been doing it for so long. They've been exposed to, right, from being a new member to watching their older active members and big brothers go through recruitment. They see the work that goes into it. They ask the questions, they fill in the blanks, they do all of these pieces. But for groups that are maybe trying to get to that level, or maybe it's your first time at, at deferred recruitment or whatever it could possibly be, what are we doing to differentiate ourselves from other groups on campus? How are we having those real conversations with people over that time where everyone is sitting on their butt, enjoying the, the two-week, four-week break, however long it may be for you all? What are we doing to maybe, if we're going to play video games anyways, right, grab one other guy in. If we're thinking about, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to be doing a bunch of crazy, uh, crazy skiing and snowboarding stuff, and I'm going to be posting that on TikTok and on Snapchat and on Instagram, why not make groups to send these things out to people with, right? With Snapchat, being able to create these groups of interested people and keep tabs by adding brothers in to engage in these conversations, knowing that guys maybe are um, in some of these areas and inviting them along for things. How are we prepared to do some of those, those pieces? How are we prepared to, to take note of where people are from and invite guys out to lunch, invite guys out to coffee or dinner when we're at home and maybe looking for an excuse to get away from the family after being around them for a week? And you start to realize, I can't wait to get back to campus. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. My parents are driving me insane. That's the opportunity to be reaching out to people that you've been connecting with from the moment that this call ends to the time that you get bid signed, be reaching out to people and looking for ways to build that stronger connection. Nick, are there pieces there that I that I left out? I'm sure there are. No, I think that's crucial. It's just about utilizing your time. Um, you know, we all have excuses. Everyone has excuses at some point, but uh, winter break is an awesome opportunity to to utilize that and really say, hey, I do have more free time. Uh, let's Let's get after it. Let's figure out how we utilize that time best to build on that names. Let's build those relationships. Uh, start out ahead because again, I don't know how many more times or different ways we can say this. Like if you're starting on January 2nd or 3rd, you're not going to have a successful deferred recruitment or it's not going to be as successful as you could have been. You get 20 guys. Great. 
sound, you probably could have got 40 guys if you had started a little earlier. Um, and it's not about uh, quantity over quality. It's about how many quality guys can we get to join this organization who we can give a chance to participate in this awesome thing. Because I guarantee you there are better guys and more awesome guys on the college campuses across the country than 10,000 guys. There's a lot of college students out there, a lot of eligible men that we need to get to join this fraternity and share this experience with because we do a lot of great things and we give a lot back and we get a lot out of it. It's much more than that number, much more than 3,200 guys a year. And we need to spread that message, spread the love. Um, but speaking of that, how do we get guys to join? How do we get guys to accept those bids? I'm sure most of you have um, said some, some not great words about the school or say, hey, I can't give a bid out. Nick and Zach, you're saying some great things, but I don't know how many different ways to tell you guys, we can't give bids out. We can't talk to guys because it's dirty rushing, all this stuff, whatever, whatever, the school rules. How do we get guys, we, we can't, I mean, we're not allowed to start talking to guys or anything. Well, you can talk to guys. That's not what dirty rushing is. Dirty rushing is trying to party with guys, trying to go after guys and talk to, um, you know, swindle them into joining before they know what's up. Like there's different versions of that, but you can form relationships. It's about forming friendships. That's not dirty rushing. And that's a key part, a key distinction that I think a lot of guys get messed up with. So how do you turn that friendship, that relationship into a soft bid without getting yourself or the group in trouble? Um, really, it's about, I'm not saying, you know, give a bid under the table or give someone, I don't know, a teak flag and be like, hey, man, this is your bid. It's not an official bid, but it's a bit, you know, you have to do anything crazy like that. But it's about getting their level of commitment and bringing them on board to get them excited. So, and, you know, ideally you close the guy and we can address a close, you know, in the Q&A session if you have questions about that. But you're closing the guy, you know, hey, hey, uh, oh, let's pick on uh, Will Diesel. That's a hell of a name. I've been wanting to use that all night. Um, hey, Will. Um, you're a great guy. We love you. We really want you to join. You can bring a lot to this organization and we think we can give you a lot in return. You can get a lot out of joining Teak. A scale of one to 10, Nick never talked to me again. 10 would accept a bid on the spot given it. Um, cool. I'm at a 10. I cannot wait to join in the spring. I, can't, I cannot wait to be a part of the fraternity. Awesome. That's great news. The, the fraternity thinks so too. The guys think so too. I'm the recruitment chair, the recruitment committee. We all think you're the type of guy we need. I know it's just exam week, but we've been talking to you all semester or all month, or it's midway through winter break. Um, we've been talking to you for a while. You've been playing video games with us, hanging out, whatever, back home, doing whatever. We want you to join. Um, we can't officially give you a bid. I want you to understand that, you know, we can't, nothing official can happen, but you know, when the time comes, we want you to be a part of the brotherhood, um, you know, but we also want to see, you know, we need to grow the brotherhood. So there's no better way to to join an organization than to jump in and get your feet wet. You know, you're the most excited guy, Will. We love it. You clearly want to grow the fraternity. You clearly have leadership ambitions. You want to jump in. You want to start hanging out with us, going to brotherhood events. Well, part of the biggest, the most important thing we do in the fraternity is get more guys to join and spread this experience. So who is it that you have met during your first semester on campus or if you're a transfer, you know, whatever, who's, who are the guys you've met? Who are the relationships you formed that you don't, you don't have to think that they would join Teak, you know, they're interested in Greek life, but you know are eligible to join and you, you think that guy would be a pretty cool pledge brother to have, or you think... Um, they would be interested in meeting us and hearing about the experience, or you think they like philanthropy, they like intramurals, they like academic excellence, they like going to parties and having fun and being social. Any of the things that we do in the fraternity, can you help add those guys to our name list? Or would it be okay if you reach out to that guy in, in your class, you know? Um, I'm a senior. I don't really have a connection to that guy, but you're a freshman. You sit, you've had done a project with him, you told me. You've um, you're in the same dorm as him, if you're on the same floor, same hometown, whatever, can you help add to the list? This is a key part of recruitment that a lot of people do not take advantage of. If you think the guy, Will, thank you for being an example. I appreciate it. Welcome to, to go off, off video. Great, great example and hell of a name. 
Um, but uh, that is, it is incredibly important to utilize guys. Any guy you think is quality enough to give a bid, he's quality enough to help you recruit. And he knows five guys guaranteed that the fraternity doesn't know. So take advantage of him, have him add to your names list. He's the most excited guy. You just gave him a bid or just said, hey, we really want you to join. You know, it's not an official bid, but we really want you to be a part of this fraternity. You know, there's no better way to see if a guy is ready to be a teak or, you know, up for the challenge or whatever thing, you know, we, we say during the pledge process, then are you willing to bust your ass for us and help bring quality guys into the fraternity? That's the most important role. And a lot of times, as soon as we initiate, we forget that as a fraternity. Well, we need to have guys and everyone be engaged from the get-go. So who can you help bring in? Who can you help also give a soft bid to? You know, who can you help make sure this is a commitment? How excited are you to join? Will some of those guys fall off? Maybe. Maybe other fraternities on your campus are just as smart as Zach and I, which you know, probably wouldn't be that hard to do. Not, not the brightest bulbs in the bunch, but we do know this. We have experience. Um, there are they are. Do they have these same conversations? No, guys love people who take initiative. Hey, you came first. You talked to me first. Um, a lot of times it's about having the conversation, building the relationship and getting them as excited as you are so they can go out and help be a part of the brand. Doesn't mean they're wearing letters. Doesn't mean they have an official bid, but how can you get them on our team helping the cause because that's only going to make them more committed to wanting to help and further the fraternity when they can do it on January 25th or uh, February 1st whenever they can officially join receive a bid it's about getting them engaged that's the art of the soft bid why it's so important helps build that names list it helps utilize your winter break better those are key things I mean you can do those over the summer too obviously and throughout the year but Deferred recruitment, that's key, is getting that soft bid there, getting the guys between Thanksgiving, December, Christmas break, winter break, going into fall, going into spring rush, who are committed to joining Teak. You know they're going to join. They want their friends to join, and they can go find those guys, infiltrate those groups that maybe as a junior or senior you couldn't get into to help spread the Teak message help get more guys than you could ever do alone. You could ever do as a 20 man group, a 40 man group, a 60 man group to help bring quality guys into the chapter. And I will uh, flip it over to, to Zach. I want to jump in real quick before, before we get back to Zach, I think the on the soft bid piece, there's a couple things, there's a couple of things that does one it lets you know if you're doing that now, if you're having those conversations now, it lets you know what work there is to be done over break, right? If you have that conversation, the guy says, actually, I'm only, I'm only a six out of 10. You can ask him why and say, what's, what's stopping you? What's preventing you? And then, you know, and the other guys in your chapter know, okay, this is somebody I want to hit up a few times throughout break. This is someone I want to make feel special. How much would it mean to this, to this freshman if, you, a leader on your campus, a leader in your fraternity, text them the day after Christmas and say, hey man, how was your Christmas? What was your favorite gift you got, right? Tell me a little bit about it. Or any good stories from the dinner table? Did your uncle get drunk on box wine and start spouting QAnon theories? Like, tell me about it. I want to hear about it. It could be fun. Could be a little, could be a little jumping off point for a conversation, but that gives you that soft bid gives you the opportunity to address those concerns. Furthermore, you can say, all right, man, I'd love for you to go talk to your parents about this over break. Think about what, or, or get their thoughts on it, right? Clear it with them. And then they can go back and say, hey, mom, you know, I think uh, there's a fraternity that really wants me to be a part of it. I, I, I can't join in the fall, but I think they want me to join in the spring. Would that be okay with you, right? There, there is a financial component. Do we need to start getting that lined up? over break, but all of those conversations taking place now, they can save you a ton of time and a bunch of potential hurdles when you get into the spring semester and formal rush actually begins. Over to you, Zach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think one one last piece on the soft bids is it helps to create a safety net um, for these guys, right? It gives them the flexibility to then go to other places and search what is that right fit you should feel so confident in what you're selling and who you all are that it doesn't matter one, how many camp or fraternities are on your campus and how much competition there is. 
that you firmly believe that you have the best uh, the best fraternity, the best organization, the best family to sell to these guys, that no matter what they see out there, they know that this is where they need to be at. And if you don't confidently believe that, we need to be looking at what we're selling, who we are as a group. And that's a whole other conversation that we can all talk about later in the Q&A or that Nick and I can get onto a separate call with you all on. But you should never doubt that the individuals you are building relationships with will walk away. There certainly are outstanding circumstances that come up, family things, life happens, right? But when it comes to giving that that best sale and putting that best foot forward, we have got to feel confident in the things that we're saying. That soft bid allows you to do that and allows you to continue to focus energy elsewhere as well, but keep tabs on that guy. The other thing it does is it allows you to begin infiltrating into those friend groups. We talked about that as the last kind of pillar of, uh, of deferred recruitment and it can't be overstated the, the severity that comes with finding these friend groups, right? We've all been there before where maybe we're pulling off one here, um, a couple there, one other here, but we all have seen the success that comes with finding that group of four, that group of five, that group of eight guys that have known each other for years at high school or who connect on the dorm floor, right? That first semester of college, they find something that they all share. Maybe it's being from the same hometown. Maybe it's a class, again, the dorms, high school, anything along those lines. It's so important to tap into that. And if you haven't found those, those kind of, those clicks, those groups, whatever you want to call them, those families, if you haven't spent the last three months of your fall semester doing it, start taking notes on that piece as well. Add that to your names list. You can come up with whatever kind of moniker for those guys that you want. Maybe it's the dorm hall. Maybe it's the dorm floor, whatever it could possibly be with the hometown, the high school, you guys can get crazy with it, but you need to be writing those names down and those should be at the top of your list because with those, those friend groups comes a lot of other things. It comes a lot of uh, spin for the brand and the marketing of your fraternity within those, those uh, classes, right? Those freshman classes, sophomore classes, whatever it may be. It also comes um, with obviously the big boon and the big push that other people see, other fraternities see. And for the other fraternities, they start to really sweat a bit and start wondering what are we doing to compete? Starts to get a little bit of competition of trying to poach them back from you. But it also gives you something to say, hey, how can we turn this friend group into a real family, a real pledge class, a real fraternity? Who are the guys that you all know outside of your group that you've always wanted to be a part of it? Or if you have one, two, three guys who are kind of, um, kind of out there, how can you turn them into their own friend group and ask them that same question of who have you always wanted to, to surround yourself with? How can we help you to do that? It's on us, right, to use the, the leadership that we have, the, the tenure that comes with being on campus for a little bit longer than one semester to really leverage building those relationships and getting out of our comfort zone to make it easier for them if you were at the last webinar, we talked about how do you lower the barrier to entry for potential new members? You got to put a little bit more on your plate, make things a little bit more difficult for you in order to get a few more members in the door. You should make it as easy for them as possible and make it, make it a task, make it a war for you guys, because that's what recruitment should be. It never comes easy. It can become easier, but it's never easy. Um, uh, another, another fun tactic, right. Is as you're getting guys, um, into the, into the, the pledge class, as you will, right. You're soft bidding people. You're telling them, I can't physically give you the bid until we get back to campus until recruitment starts, but know that you have a spot here, please go check out other places, do all these different things. Right. But most importantly, continue to build relationships, get these guys working for you kind of alluded it to it in the last kind of couple of minutes that I've been talking but get these guys to work for you. That'll make your life a lot easier. It allows you to, again, focus on the other relationships out there. Look at your names list of people that you want to meet. Look at the names list of people you've already been talking to and focus your energy on that. But get these guys working, right? Tag them with maybe another brother or tag them with another guy that you've given a soft bid and get them mobilized. Get them some experience under their belt. Tell them, I want you to go find one other dude that you me, your, your roommate, we can all pour, uh, we can all kind of form a, a group of four to play Call of Duty together over winter break, right? I'm counting on you to do that. 
I've got plenty of friends, but they all suck at it, right? You can kind of kind of uh, gas them up a bit, as Nick Kimball would say, and and kind of run with it. Or if there are things that you want to do back home, whether it's taking advantage of winter weather or wanting to go on a beach trip, if you're um, down in, in the Sunshine State like me, and you've got four spots in your car, you know that there are a few guys that, that live back in your hometown. That's what you're looking to do, right? That's how you want to spend your time is building relationships. Get these guys doing it for you. Make your life a little bit easier so you can focus on other pieces in that regard, right? And don't let them just kind of run off and, and don't keep tabs on them. The same way that an effective recruitment chairman keeps tabs on all of the guys who are executing on his behalf, right? That organization that comes with things. How can you be turning these potential new members, these um, guys that you've given soft bids to, or these guys who are in these friend groups, turn them into, into these little workhorses for you? Right. If you've seen the fired up training, which we'll get into um, in, a, in a bit in the Q&A, the term workhorses is thrown around a lot for members of the chapter. Groups that are extremely successful find a way to turn the PNMs into their workhorses. That's where you reach that next level of recruitment. As you empower these guys, you give them the tools they need to be successful as somebody who's been in college for four or five months, maybe even less. But you've got to find ways to infiltrate these friend groups in order to become more successful. Instead of just poaching one here, one there, that stuff is certainly extremely helpful and it allows you to attain the goals that you set for yourself, but you'll make your life tremendously easier, although in the moment, a little bit more difficult when you attack these friend groups of three plus people. And people do take notice of that. Those people, there's a reason why they're a group of friends, right? They're outgoing, they talk to, to other people on campus. That's why they found themselves in that situation they have other friends out there, whether they're joining a sorority or maybe already have, whether they're a part of other student organizations and clubs that they joined in their time uh, as, a, as a deferred freshman. Those are the people that you should want to be in your chapter. And if you're seeing them go to other houses and other fraternity chapters, you should be asking yourself, what is it that they're selling that makes it so desirable to be a part of them? Think about those things and how we can up our ante a bit and I'm sure that'll be a piece that, that you guys want to hone in on of how can we kind of reinvent that narrative, but we've got to diagnose where our faults are in order to overcome them, infiltrate these groups, and really push to, to achieve these recruitment goals that we set for ourselves. I know I, I really went into it there, um, but Nick, if there's any pieces that you want to make sure that these guys hear, please go. Yeah, man, I think you crushed it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll beat me to it. Start dropping questions in the chat if you can. Ideally, we keep everyone on mute so it's not total chaos. Um, but yeah, um, we got, you know, 15, 20 minutes. Zach and I can stay on a little bit later to answer questions. And um, by this point, I saw Zach, I, we dropped our contact information there. Feel free to email, text. Um, we're happy to set anything up with you, Zach, just put the text template if you don't know how to, to shoot a text off um, to us. So uh, feel free to do I'm so. I'm to take some of that, that barrier and lower it for guys. That way it's as easy as possible. A plug and play, plug and play. Um, so, so that's right there. So feel free to set something up. There's, if you're like, hey man, I'm super busy, you got exams and I don't have time to do this for three weeks, like still shoot us a text so we can get it on the books. We can help remind you we want to see you guys succeed. Like I said, there's way too few people joining this fraternity and hearing the message and we got to help amplify it and give you guys and, and those future teaks the best experience possible. Yeah, I did see a couple of questions that kind of came in in private chat. Um, and one of them was from, from Brad and it's something that I think it, it, it kind of gets lost in the shuffle of why fraternity recruitment is so important. Um, and this doesn't matter whether it's deferred fall semester doesn't none of it matters right the reason why recruitment is so important you hear it when I'm reading in the teak guide or hegemon talking to you about the lifeblood and all these these different buzzwords that we kind of use to to hype people up and to kind of get them in that mindset and get them kind of amped up as they go into it um, but thinking about the future of your chapter and again al and nick feel free to take it in whatever direction you want but when i'm thinking about why fraternity recruitment is such a big piece of, of the fraternity, why it's more important than anything else. You can't do the philanthropy fundraisers for St. Jude or the Alzheimer's Association if you don't have members, 
you can't be pushing yourself and other guys to attain a higher GPA and to hold other guys accountable to become a better student than they would have been on their own without the fraternity. There isn't an opportunity to engage with other like-minded students um, nearly to the same extent without that network of many, many men. Thinking about the network that you can have with a five or six man chapter or no chapter at all versus a 50, 80, 120 plus man group, hell, even a 25 man group, the weight that comes with that, the things that you're able to do, it blows it out of the water of, of the groups that are, are either um, struggling to, to, to understand why we, we push so hard for this, why we're so passionate for it, and why it's so important for you guys. It's to give you guys a better college experience. That's the whole reason the fraternity was invented. That's why fraternity recruitment matters. Yeah, and, and just to, to get out ahead of something, I don't know if some of you are thinking, I certainly know it's been said outside of, of this call, but you get the, to, to Zach's point, right? Okay, we have 20 guys, we want to get to 25, but 50 is too many, or we have 50, but 100 is too many, or we have 11 and 20 is too many. Hopefully you're not thinking that, but uh, it has been said. The every chapter that I had the pleasure of interacting with, and I'm assuming this can be said for Nick and Zach as well, whether it's a legitimately a 12 man chapter or whether it's in Southern California at Beta Sigma with 180 guys and everywhere in between, they all say that that they have the best and tightest brotherhood on campus. So to me, that says you can have, you can feel just as good about your brotherhood at 180 as you can at 11. And, and to use that as a fallback to not go recruit 10 more guys or 15 more guys or two more guys is absurd. The big groups find a way to make it work. And that brotherhood only gets better and only gets more robust the more brothers you have. It, it doesn't make sense that a brotherhood would be worse with a hundred guys, because now you have a hundred or 99 other individuals to get to share those experiences with and, and have social events with and have mixers with and go to football games with that's way better than having 10 guys to go do that with. So I don't know if it's, if it's been thought at all by you, or maybe there's some guys in your chapter that are concerned about growing a little too large because they don't want to lose the, the tight brotherhood, but I can assure you and, and promise you. And if it's not the case, and if you grow by 40 and your brotherhood sucks you can come back to me and tell me that I'm wrong, but let's grow by 40 first and then we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, just quick add to that. And then I saw that, uh, that, that uh, George asked a great question, GPA down to Lone Star province about volunteers role in this. Um, but yeah, there's almost every group I've interacted with, including a group I advise now, the smaller the group, the more drama there is. There is more drama in a 15 man group I advise than a group of 40, 50, 60, 180 plus, because it's just infighting. Uh, I'm sure some of y'all can relate to that. So uh, recruitment truly does solve all problems and makes uh, thing, all things better. Um, happy to explain that further one-on-one -on, -one on a call or anything. But um, I will take a swing at, at George's question. Where do you see the alumni volunteer support in this process? Uh, it's absolutely crucial. It's a, it's a great question. Um, you know, Zach Swenson, the other guys at HQ, um, GPAs across the country, you know, everyone can offer their support day in and day out. Um, HQ certainly cannot be anywhere, like everywhere at the same time. Um, you know, we can get on a call, we can help coach, but there's a lot of T groups, not as many as we would like, right? We always want more T groups, more guys in the fraternity, but uh, you can't be everywhere at once. Um, so the volunteers on this call, I see Mike Bogle, Brandon, Brad, George, uh, sorry if I missed any others, but I'll just on the screen right there, absolutely crucial in support because that's the day in and day out. Like Zach and I might be able to come up with a plan for the group or the group might have a, hey, this is the recruitment plan, this is the strategy, but that week to week check-in, you can call into a chapter meeting, you can jump on a Zoom call, but as, as I'm sure a lot of people in this call know, like the real boots on the ground, that's, hey, you all said you were going to add 50 guys to this names list this week. It's Sunday or Monday. We're having chapter. 
Where are you guys at on this whole? It's the accountability piece, which I think is the most crucial um, to holding holding the chapter of colonies feet to the fire. Um, you need some incentive. Um, everyone needs accountability, my, myself included, right? Everyone needs accountability. So how can we get these groups to say, hey, you all told me you wanted to do this. And, and that's a great way, you know, when Zach and I coach groups, are you okay with us holding you accountable? I like to ask that in the beginning. So when it comes back in two, three weeks and it's like, Nick, man, get off our back. Like absolutely brutal, dude, super annoying. It's like, hey man, I just want you guys to succeed. Like you told me you wanted to succeed. When things get tough, when you get some rejection, when things don't go your way, when you have a, an off week and you only add 40 guys to the names list or you only talk to 10 guys and you want to do 50, like this is me holding you accountable. This is me putting the fire under your ass a little bit, holding your feet to the fire, getting things going. And that's an absolute crucial role for our boots on the ground, um, the, the alumni and volunteers of the chapters that they're most comfortable with. Um, it's not being not being the bad guy. It's, hey, I'm the accountable guy. I'm, that's true brotherhood. Hey, I want to see you guys succeed just like you wanted to see yourself succeed. But everyone needs a little help. This is me pushing you. This is me holding you accountable. This is me reminding you of the goals that you set. Um, so it's a great question. I don't know if Al or Zach have anything to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the big piece for alumni is we were talking about this earlier in our prep, right, of when we're not able to be there, the people who hold the groups most accountable are the ones who are able to see the day to day, to see the camaraderie that comes from groups, whether it be a GPA who spends certainly a lot more time than we can as as staff people um, or specifically as chapter advisors who are there maybe every couple of weeks to, to really keep an eye on things and make sure meetings are running uh, smoothly they're the ones who are able to buy into some of that chapter culture a little bit better. They're into the regional culture. They're into the university cultures a bit. Um, George being in Texas, right? They're very specific cultures at each of the different schools, Texas A&M versus Texas and all these different things. And it's important to have that understanding because you're able to approach those conversations a lot differently of where we may come off as the uh, great nosed, hard nosed, however you want to define it. Um, guy. I think that's, that's an area that, it comes with those different approaches of taking the meaning behind what we're saying and translating into something that you know your guys can understand a bit differently and being able to not always be the guy who's busting their asses but being the one who can say what's going wrong how can we change it how can i help to hold you guys accountable in a different way we've got the recruitment chairman we've got the preness we've got all these guys doing things but what can i do to hold you guys to things and then right trickling it down to, to the, the rest of the membership. So I think that's where that leadership comes from. Um, and that's what's so important. We lose it when, especially groups that don't have advisors or very engaged advisors, it sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, and at least a lot of other issues too, but recruitment is the one where we can really make that, that impact because you bring in a whole other wave of guys, you bring in a whole fresh slate for culture. And I, I hope that that kind of helps to, to answer what you're talking about, George. Great question for sure. I know that we've got a couple other questions and I know that um, Brandon Rick um, had had sent in one that I, I really love because it, it focuses on the fired up training. Um, we certainly plug it every, every chance that Nick and I get, and I'm sure Al does as well um, to, to plug the, the greatness that is fired up and the, the training that has been worked on between our organization and theirs for the last couple of years. Uh, it's awesome. I mean, I think uh, Al was kind of looking for some specific data, but the things that you're able to learn within that fired up training, and I'll try and find the link and drop it in here like I normally do. The things you learn are the basics that we've talked about in previous webinars, the things that we've kind of talked about here, the building of a names list, how to identify your workhorses and get them into that overdrive mode, how to have the basic conversations and start these things, how to get outside of the box when you're creating events or um, driving traffic to, your, to yourself in person to again, bolster that names list. The list goes on and on. There's eight sessions for it um, on how to specifically do those things. I think they even added a bonus one on virtual recruitment during COVID. That is, I think, extremely valuable even today because of um, the prevalence of social media. But I'll drop that link in here in a little bit. But Al or Nick, if there are any things there on Fired Up that you wanted to share. 
Yeah, I was, I, I pulled, we have some reports that show who's, who's fired up certified and how their chapters are doing right now um, at this juncture. And, and most of the, the new members, I think have probably been added for the fall. There's, there's a handful that are still out there, but um, groups that had four more men complete fired up training uh, are at uh, an average of 10.5 new members added this fall groups with uh, less than four are at 8.9 candidates added this fall. So about 1.6 more candidates, more new members added per chapter. Now there are some outliers in there, right? And we could look at different median numbers and all that, but um, you know, the guys at Boise State actually haven't done the fired up training yet. And they have 58 initiates. So uh, that skews it a little bit toward the no fired up training. But um, if you look at it across the board, there is a noticeable uptick in the performance of groups that have completed the fired up training, or at least have had four plus men complete the training. And that information is evergreen. It can apply to deferred recruitment, fall rush, summer recruitment, like it, just across the board. It's good for alumni. It's good for undergrad members. And the first thing that I would have your new members do is go in and knock that out. And that is, that gets them thinking about Russia, gets them thinking about how they recruit and why they recruit and what they need to be, what they need to do to be successful. If your new, if part of your new member education process is not fired up training, I would give a really hard look at changing that because it's two hours. It's two hours added onto a process that shouldn't be super long as it is, and it is going to produce noticeable results in your chapter. Yeah, absolutely. Zach, Al, everyone on, like, we didn't, it's not because we just came out of the womb as recruitment geniuses. Like, we were trained by fired up people. We watched the same videos that were, that are provided to you all. Like, that's how we that in practice, it's how, and a lot of rejection, that's how we became uh, knowledgeable on recruitment. It's not because we just, you know, we're supernaturally gifted at it. You got to try, you got to practice, you got to learn, you got to learn from the experts and, and take the advice. Um, so another question come in from our friends at IOTA Beta Susquehanna. Um, what events are you looking to entice recruits with? Um, so I'm, there's great events out there, I'm sure. Um, I am not an advocate for recruitment events. Um, I think it's a lot of money for sometimes not a lot of ROI. Um, if you do them, when I was doing expansions, I would never do a recruitment event. I'm one guy. If I had the most successful recruitment event in the world, I don't know how big Susquehanna is right now. If you're the most successful recruitment event in the world, you can only talk to so many people at that recruitment event. If I'm one guy, I have 200 people at this recruitment event because it's the coolest thing anyone's ever heard of and the most well-marketed. I'm only going to be able to form relationships and talk to 10 to 15, 20 guys max. Um, and it's about those relationships. So unless you've already built a names list over 100 men and you've talked to them individually, I would not recommend doing a recruitment event. Recruitment events are about having guys who are, there's already a point of contact. There's already been an interview, a relationship built, some sort of back and forth where you know, you know this guy. That's when you bring him to the recruitment event. So you can, hey, I want you to meet so I want you to meet Alex. You guys are the same major. I think you guys are very similar. I think you guys really bond. That's a great thing for a recruitment event. It's about showing off the brotherhood, showing out numbers. If you're having if you're having a hard time getting brothers, active brothers to the recruitment events, or if you are a smaller group on your campus, you're inevitably going to look bad at a recruitment event. I don't know why you would set yourself up for failure like that. Uh, I'm not saying that's Susquehanna. I'm not trying to come at you guys. I'm sure you guys are going to look great with those, but um, you don't want to set yourself up for failure. You want to set yourself up for success. So if there's a relationship there and something goes bad at the recruitment event or you know, some guy comes to the recruitment event and is like, man, I thought I wanted to, I heard Teak was cool, but those three guys look like absolute weirdos. Like I wouldn't get near those guys. You just lost three, you just lost recruits. And how many guys is that one guy going to tell? Teak's a bunch of squids. Don't join them. Like you don't want those things to happen. But if you have a relationship with Alex, hey man, I know we're cool. We had a good relationship. That's, that's key, right? Okay. You know, He's not going to be so scared off by some random dude who shows up to the recruitment event who may or may not get a bid anyway. You know, 
he's that's not going to turn him off to teak or some brother is having a bad day and rubs him the wrong way. So that there's a lot of pitfalls to recruitment events. It's about forming the relationship first. But the best recruitment events, if you want some recruitment event advice, I'm not going to say anything specific, but are the type of events that you guys can show your brotherhood off the best. And again, please, if you're under 20 men, do not do recruitment events. If you haven't talked to these guys first and had a one-on-one -on -one conversation, don't do recruitment events. But if you're going to do a recruitment event, you've done all those things first. You've built the relationships. You want to show off other, have them meet other brothers, the guys. Do something that's unique to your chapter that no, every group's doing a barbecue or, you know, it's winter. So every group's doing some other event. Show off something. If you guys are really passionate about St. Jude, do a philanthropy event, not, not the main one, but a big one, something around St. Jude or something that showcases what you care about as a chapter so they can get a good feel for the chapter. People can sniff out fakes and frauds very easily. If you, you know, do something that's not, that's really not you, it's like, oh, we're not really an athletic chapter, so, but we're going to do a volleyball game, like, you know, play dodgeball or something or basketball. People are going to see that. And you want the event to be unique to your chapter and you want to be able to have conversations. Dodgeball, bad example too, because it's really hard to have a genuine conversation when you're playing dodgeball with someone or basketball or uh, paintball, any number of events that are similar. So sorry about the rant on the events, but I think that's some good advice. And I'm sure there's events that uh, you guys can promote at Susquehanna that are very unique to your group. Um, I don't know if Zach or Al have anything to add. I'm sure they do. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it a ton at headquarters of the idea of you wouldn't want to shoot somebody that you're expecting to join your fraternity with a paintball. Um, I don't know about y'all, but I'm pretty slick with a dodgeball. Wouldn't want to be drilling somebody in the face that I want to then offer a bid um, within the next 24 hours, um, as, uh, as fun as that could be. The, the whole idea, right, when I look at events, I think of things like grabbing coffee one-on-one. -on -one. I look at things that are grabbing lunch with, with P&Ms, with me, a couple other brothers, and maybe three or four interested guys to build a network, build a friendship. Um, and I look at things specifically if you want to take something and run with it, playing pickup games, right? If you've got, if you're in a, a wintry place, there's probably an indoor gym and arena area to play basketball or other pickup sports. Show up intentionally with not enough guys. That forces you to have to talk to other people. That is a good event that you can run with at any point in time. Those are the types of things you need to get into when it comes to thinking outside of the box. It isn't this, let me spend a thousand dollars on a bunch of um, burritos from Moe's or Chipotle and, uh, and try and invite 20 dudes out to something. You're setting yourself up for a situation where your brothers end up eating all the food, big no, no there. You're wasting the money on them. And then uh, you have an opportunity where guys don't show up and then the food goes to waste anyways. Um, you need to look at things where you are certain of how much attendance you're going to have look for ways that you can connect with people. And again, the next point, do things that are uniquely you, whether that's inviting guys to philanthropy events from now until recruitment time's over um, or setting something up that you guys typically do. Maybe it's a polar plunge or something else, but find ways to build those relationships. That's the key. Yeah. I, I think we, we work up events in our mind to be these big, scary things that have to be perfect and you have to spend a bunch of money and you have to, you know, put make flyers and, and hang banners up on campus that show your events when uh, an event is, hey, you know, 15 of us go out every week for tacos for Taco Tuesday at a local Mexican restaurant. Are there three potential new members that we want to invite to come along, right? Everyone, everyone pays their own way and we just have a good time and we hang out for a little while and they get to know us and we get to, to know them. That is, I mean, that's a recruitment event. It's not a huge everybody come hang out at the house and watch football but little things like that can make a much larger difference because they're more personal and you are starting to integrate them and show them this is what it would be like to be a part of this chapter being a part of this chapter doesn't mean we're going to go paintball every single night of the week it doesn't mean we're going to go paintball twice a month being a part of this chapter means that we like to hang out and watch Monday night football and eat pizza. You want to come over to this guy's apartment where we watch Monday night football every week. That's the type of thing that gets them thinking, Hey, like if I join this chapter, I'd be part of the Monday night football crew. I can be part of the taco Tuesday crew, whatever that is. Um, that's where, that's where we make our money. Not in the, the big grand, Hey, we spent $12,000 on right. A burrito bar or, or whatever it is. And six guys showed up. 
Any other questions? Really got us rolling there for a bit. Well, you ask Nick about events and you better carve out half your day. Big uh, non-event guy. That was actually the nicest way I've ever said events are stupid. <laughs> Don't tell any of your friends not to ask Nick about events. Just let them walk right into the trap on the next one. All right. Well, I really do appreciate it. Appreciate you all sticking with us six minutes over, but I feel like it was a valuable use of time. Uh, please do reach out to myself, reach out to Zach, reach out to Nick. Contact info is available there in the, um, in the chat. A lot of people somehow have my cell phone number. I have no idea how, but uh, if you don't, I'm sure you can find it. Uh, Nick and Zach put theirs out there. Any email address at TK Quarters is just first initial, last name at TKE.org. So mine is just A Swinson at TKE.org. But uh, yeah, if, if it's as simple as, hey, we're, we do have a hundred guys interested. We want to throw a great event. What are some ideas? Probably don't go to Nick, um, but what what can we do to put that together reach out if it's hey my chapter has absolutely no idea what we are doing with recruitment this semester can you sit down with us for two hours and put together a plan absolutely and everywhere in between please don't hesitate to ask for help that is what we are here for but with that i hope everyone enjoys the rest of their evening hope everyone's looking forward to a, a fun exciting holiday season and again get to work what are you doing while your competition is asleep, while your competition is enjoying the holidays with their family? You can be enjoying the holidays with your family and also recruiting. So take advantage of that time when the guys that you are up against on your campus are not putting in the work or not putting in the time and not putting in the effort. That is where we gain an edge and that is where you can go from eight potential new members to 20 potential new members, cornering that market and finding creative ways to go and be successful. Thank you all. Looking forward to hearing from you guys soon. And we will, uh, we'll talk to you again here in the near future. And as always, we thank those two for their knowledge, their wisdom, for giving us some of their time, albeit it was a little over a week ago now. But um, always good to talk to them about Rush, something that they're both very passionate about. And as they say there in the, uh, in the audio, and as they truly mean, please reach out to them with questions, with thoughts, with concerns. They are more than willing to help and they are looking for more and more groups to start to reach out and ask for assistance whispering rush so uh, please take advantage of those two as resources they want to help you be successful with that we will let you get back to your holiday weekend or whenever it is you are choosing to listen thank you for your time thank you for being a loyal listener of the teak nation podcast please smash the like button Please uh, subscribe, please share, sit down all your family members and make them listen to it, but on separate devices, uh, whatever you have to do to make sure that you are the very first person to be aware when a new episode of the Teak Nation podcast is available. I'm Alex Swenson. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.